0: You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us.
1: Uh, great to see everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, if you are, uh, I'm just going to point there. Um, if, uh, if you, you know, Valentine's Day is fun for some people, not fun for other people. Um, you know, my kids were saying how it's the forced uh, rem- remembrance that you're alone day, or something like that, or you know. <laughs> Hopefully, it didn't feel that way to you. Hopefully, if, if you are single, you had a great Valentine's date with the Lord, with Jesus, right? It's also uh, Katrina's birthday. Yes, yeah, so it's Katrina's birthday day. But Dessa and I, I do have a sweetheart. I do have a Valentine. Uh, I've been married 27 years. And. Uh, Uh, Really grateful for our friendship and relationship, and she is awesome, and amazing wife. And uh, we usually, uh, after you've done this a while, you learn, you know, as you grow older, you learn how to do things better, right? Hopefully. We're going to talk about that today. But we've learned that going out to eat on Valentine's Day is horrible. So we always go out like the day before or the day after. But this week, we had to do it on Valentine's Day. So, you know, we went somewhere, and it was like, it reminded us of why we don't do it, you know, because they put you sitting with, some, you know, you're sitting across from your date, but then you're closer to the person next to you than you are your your date, right? So it's just kind of awkward, but uh, the good thing that worked out for us is the people on this side were speaking Spanish, and the people on this side were speaking some other language, like from the Middle East, I don't know what it was. It sounded like Arabic or Farsi or something, but so we, we kind of felt like we were in our own world there. but So uh, great to be together. If you're visiting with us, we are. Um, this is the last of a three-week series we've been doing on grace uh, called Strong in the Grace. And uh, I'll review a little bit, uh, uh, but today we're going to be talking about Grace to Grow from uh, Romans 8. So if you want to go ahead and be turning over there, Grace to Grow. Um, so kind of where we've been here uh, with the... Uh, the the lessons so far is uh, strong in the grace. We talked about how um, the grace. If you really understand God's grace in our lives, it's a motor. It's an engine. It's uh, what keeps us going in our faith. Is is realizing how much God loves us and how much God has done for us. It's that should be what motivates us to do what we do. And uh, Paul says that God's grace in me was not without effect. I worked hard because of God's grace. And there were two things Paul was able to say because of grace that we should also be able to say if we are Christians, if we are followers of Jesus. Number one, I, by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, uh, there's a freedom of just saying, here's who I am and kind of facing the real you. Grace is the place to face the real you, to be able to say, here's me, you know, God, and, and kind of surrender rather than trying to prove yourself to God and others. And the second thing Paul was able to say is, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So that's how you're strong in the grace: is by accepting really how weak you are. But, but then that makes you strong, because God is able to shine through you. God is able to use you. And uh, God's power, uh, Paul said, is made perfect in weakness. In fact, God told that to Paul, because Paul was complaining about something in his life he wanted to be different and God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And when you get that, it's, again, it's so freeing because it allows you to uh, flourish rather than trying to kind of always be stuck. And we'll talk a little bit more about being stuck today. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, uh, grace that allows us to love, grace to love. And we looked at a little bit of a deep look at 1 Corinthians 13, which is that famous passage that talks about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. And, and talked about how that's a package. It's a person who has been graced. You can't really love like that until you understand God's grace. Because what happens is, and we live in, the, in a society that's all about performance. It's all about being a professional. Right. And, and it's kind of like who you are on the inside or your personal life doesn't really matter. It's are you able to perform? And it's easy for us to fall into that and, and for things to be about the outer person and not the inner person. But Paul challenged the Corinthians and he challenges us that if you have uh, you can even be doing all these amazing things for God and for other people. But if you don't have love, it's a waste and it's not really even worth anything. And, and it's a challenging uh, passage. And the thing that you learn, if you ever preach, uh, and I hope you do, is um, I hope you preach in your daily life. Uh, but but God has a way of a sense of humor sometimes in testing you and whatever you just talked about. So uh, so last, you know, last Sunday I was talking about how uh, you know, do you really love people? Are you easily irritated? Are, do you get annoyed? Um, you know, are you self-seeking? Is it is, are things about you? Uh, that's a test there in Romans thirteen of. of if you're really doing things from grace or you're doing things from a selfish perspective. And so I was talking about that. And, and then right as church was going on, right as church ended, I was tested in this because um, I, we had this meeting set up and uh, yesterday, I mean last Sunday afternoon, and it was supposed to be at the Toomey's house. So I get a text from Holly in the middle of service, uh, and it was a video of... Um, uh the, the church, are, we're a part of a family of churches, if you're visiting today, that's like 600 churches around the world. So it was our church in Seattle, and they were singing a song I wrote. So Holly sent me this text, and, it, you know, hey, look, we're in Seattle. So then I texted back. I didn't know if she just happened to send it to me or if this was, like, live. So I was like, are you in Seattle? And she didn't text back. So I'm trying to text uh, Pat, and he's not texting back. And I'm trying to get a hold of other, you know, the, the people that were planning this meeting, and I couldn't get a hold of them. And so I'm like, because we were supposed to meet at the Toomey's house. And so then I'm trying to do this investigative work and figure out where it is. Finally, I find out, get a hold of Pat. He's like, yeah, we're in Seattle. I'm like, oh no, we're supposed to have a meeting at your house. So then I'm texting people, hey guys, we're not at the Toomeys, they're not here. Be on standby, I don't know what we're doing. And then somebody texts me back, oh no, we're at this other place, and uh, everybody knows. And everybody knows except me. (laughs) And so in that moment, I was like, okay, remember what you just preached about, right? Because I felt like being annoyed, I felt like being irritated, I felt like, you know, but it, I, it, it helped me that look at Romans 13, because I thought about grace, and I thought about God, and I thought, what, what is making me feel annoyed right now? It's, I feel left out, I feel like I don't matter, I feel like I, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm at this meeting or not, I'm feeling unconsidered, blah, 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 like these are the things I'm feeling just before God. So I'm like, do those people feel that way about me? No. But even if they did, does God feel that way about me? No. So it doesn't matter, right? And so I was able to kind of let that go and then no big deal. Um, But it's funny, you know, these things that are in the Bible, they are to be used in our daily life, right? Uh, So I hope that that we will look at today in Romans 8. Romans 8 is is another powerful, powerful passage and I hope it blesses you in your life. So hope you're there. Uh, Romans 8, let's pray and then we'll uh, open up the scripture here. God, thank you to be able to be together to worship you. Uh, thank you to be able to look into your scriptures, and I uh, pray that you would speak to every heart here today. Uh, Father, the message that, that you want us to hear, including myself, God, I pray that we can listen to your spirit and his voice in our lives. Um, thank you to be together. Uh, thank you to uh, have the forgiveness that comes through Jesus' blood, as we'll talk about today. Um, thank you for uh, Elaine being back with us, and Calvin, I know we miss them. and. Uh, thank you for her recovery, and I uh, pray that you'd continue to bless her and, and her recovery. Uh, thank you to have Stephanie here, and I pray that you'd really bless her and her, her uh, recovery from cancer and uh, that she would be completely healed. And I pray for the other needs that are among us, uh, people who are sick. I know there's a number from our worship team who are sick and from our tech team, rather. And I pray that you'd bless them and be with them. And I pray for the challenges around the world going on right now, uh, you know, the the, the battle in, in uh in china with the coronavirus uh the the challenges in in uh, australia with the fires the the uh just diffic- difficult challenges around the world uh, uh father the, i know there are many who are struggling or don't have access to clean water or the things that we take for granted and um, i pray that we can can be a part of the solution for those things and uh, that you would use us to to make this world a better place uh bless us as we open your word and uh, be with us and guide us and it's in jesus name we pray amen And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Number one, grace that sets us free. Grace that sets us free. Um, If you've been reading along with with some of us in the Read Scripture app, we're reading through the Bible in a year. And we've been in the midst of all of this uh, ritual stuff about ritual purity. Uh, you know, reading Leviticus, reading Numbers, uh, and uh, just parts uh, 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 talking about all these different kinds of sacrifices for different kinds of sin, and uh, there's some some parts of it that are kind of a little odd. The um, the 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 Bible uh, uh, what's it called Bible project videos that are embedded in the in the video uh, in the app kind of help to give us a little context, understand holiness a little bit better, understand uh, Leviticus a little bit better. But Paul is saying here that Jesus. Died to take all of that away, to, to, to solve all of that. The problem of how can I come near God when I am so sinful, when I am impure, how can I approach God? And you see that so much in the Old Testament, this idea of I can't get near to God. But Jesus takes that away. He, he completely fulfills the law, it says here, Paul says. And, and he says he sets us free from the law of sin and death. And so now, verse 1, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Just think about that for a minute. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of judgment. Uh, If you are in Christ Jesus, all of your sins are are clean. And God can look at you and and see Jesus because of that sacrifice that he made. Because of what he did. And anytime if you're reading the Bible and it says therefore, it might be good to kind of look back and see what's before it, right? So just look back a little bit, and, and let's see, what, what is he talking about? I'll give you a bit of context about the book of Romans and what's kind of led up to this point. And we'll look at a little bit of chapter 7. So Paul was writing to the disciples in Rome. He did not plant the church in Rome. He planted a lot of different churches. We don't know who planted the church in Rome, but we know there was a church there. Priscilla and Aquila, who were his friends, came from Rome when they were kicked out of there by the Roman emperor. And uh, so somehow there's a church in Rome, and there's a lot of disciples there. And it was probably mostly Jewish, and then some Gentiles start becoming Christians, and the Jews get kicked out, and now it's mostly Gentiles. And, and there's, there's some problems with kind of the Jew-Gentile relationship. That's part, you know a cultural issue that people had. And, and, and so Paul is speaking to that quite a bit in Romans. But he's also, he was wanting to visit Rome, and he's wanting to go on a journey to Spain, and he wants to get their help with that. So he's writing about that. So it's a, it's a big long letter where he gives a lot of kind of his gospel, his theology, because he's never been there, and he has he knows a few of them, but he the church is not familiar with them. So he needs to kind of give. Here here is my uh, here's my message, and so you, you have a really thorough message of of Paul in uh, Romans that is really hitting both the Je- Jews and the Gentiles. And so basically up to this point he said. Gentiles, you are not you are not all that great. You know, yeah, you might be ruling the world, the Romans, and you think you're all that, but your morality stinks, and you know, you, you you're a mess. And then he goes to the Jews, hey, don't you think you're so great, because you th- say you have the law, but none of you keep it, and you all mess up, and and none of you is is without sin. And and then he, you know, and he goes and goes back and forth between the Jews and the Gentiles later. He'll say to the to, to the Gentiles, now I know I've been back you know down on the Jews for a while, but Gentiles, don't think you're all that. You know, you were grafted into what they were already doing. You're just a part of what was already going on with them. And he's kind of speaking back and forth to both audiences. But right before this, in Romans 6 and Romans 7, he's saying, basically, we all are the same before God. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. And and he describes in Romans 7 what it's like to try to live up to being, being pure, being righteous, being holy, and he says, you know, I, I, keep, I keep, I can't do it. Uh, I, I know what I should do, but I keep doing what I shouldn't do, and I, I just keep messing up. I, I, it's not a problem of knowledge. I know what's right, but right when I'm about to do what's right, oh, I, tr- I trip, and then I do what's wrong, and he's like, what is going on with me? You know, this is, this is, this is frustrating, Um, verse 21, so I find this law at work. We're in Romans 7. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. From my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So again, he's talking about, he's kind of trapped. And this is what worldly religion does. It traps you. Because Remember, before Christianity, before this idea of, of grace and, and Jesus and, and, and God becoming a man and showing us a new way, religion was always about trying to do the right things in order to please that, whatever God it is that you serve. You know, if I do these different rituals, now he has to bless me. If I, if I uh, eat these certain things or I, I, I uh, celebrate these certain days or I, I do these certain sacrifices, now that God has to, you know, it's kind of like a contract, and, uh, but, but, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of religion today that has a moral goodness to it. has some moral, uh, you know, you should do this and you should do that. So people will say all the religions are the same. Christianity is the same as all the others. They all have these same values. And in a way, they're right in that most religions do value uh, being honest. You know, most religions say you shouldn't murder someone. You know, most religions do say, you know, you should love your neighbor. Uh, m- most religions say you should be a good, quote, good person. Christianity is the only one that says, but you're going to mess up, and you can't do it. You can try, but you won't be able to. You will mess up. And so, so, so th- that's the only religion that where, where Jesus, God himself says, I am going to make up the difference. I'm going to stoop down and make you great. I'm going to live a perfect life, and then I'm going to die as a consequence for sin, to pay you the price of, of your sin. To make you holy. And to justify you. To make you righteous. So that's why he says in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. So that's why when you continue on. And there were no chapters or verses in this letter Paul wrote. He says therefore there's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. It's good news. Christianity is good news, guys. I think when people think about Christianity, a lot of times they think about all the things you can't do, or that means I have to hate gay people, or that means I have to, you know, not, I can't vape. Uh, that means I can't, you know, whatever, I can't watch pornography anymore. You know, they just think of it, that's not it. Christianity is God himself wants a relationship with you. And Jesus pays the penalty for your sin to make you clean and wash you White as snow and set you free. That's good news, guys. Amen. Uh, We had a class on Romans recently that uh, I was asked to help teach last week with uh, John Oaks and Greg Moretsky, and I I felt kind of—I was definitely the 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 new kid on the block. You know, (laughs) it was it was an honor to get to teach with those guys. I was definitely the rookie. Uh, but John Oaks told a story about being in, in, in Colorado when he was in, in, in college in the ministry there. And there was a woman who got baptized. And, uh, you know, after she got baptized, she came out of the water and she was just weeping and weeping and weeping. And uh, at first people thought something was wrong. Uh, but they but, but come to find out, her, her, you know, they ask her, are you okay? What's going on? And this woman had been a prostitute. She had been on the streets. Uh, She'd had a really horrible life. She'd had to be a prostitute. And after she got baptized, with tears in her eyes, uh, she says, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. You know, she couldn't believe it. I'm a virgin. That's just how she viewed herself in God, that she's been made new. She's been set free. That, who doesn't want to become a Christian? That's what God offers. And not just when you get baptized, but even as an old Christian, old Christians, You know, Jesus is right there. Uh, In in, in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Who's he writing to? Is he talking to people who want to become Christians? No, he's talking to lukewarm Christians, older Christians who kind of lost their faith. He's saying, I'm right here. All you got to do is just open the door. It's one good quiet time. You are one good quiet time away from doing awesome spiritually, guys. If you're an old Christian. Amen? I think some of us need to open the door of our heart and ask Jesus in. That's, a, that's good for old Christians, right? Pray Jesus into your heart. Amen. That's not how you become a Christian. And you'll notice in our in our church we don't do an altar call. Um, so if you're visiting with us, don't worry, we're not going to make you come up here and um, we really think that there's more to it than that. There's more to it than just, I'm going to pray and you say the prayer with me, right? It, it, when you read the Bible, you see that there's, there's something about becoming Jesus' disciple, that there's more to that. I'm going to be a follower, and there's a lot more. So we, we sit down with somebody, and we just look at the scriptures together, and we talk about it. Um, so if you're interested in being set free, if you've never been set free, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, we want to help you to be in Christ Jesus. And we would love to open the Bible with you and study more with this idea of how you become a Christian. How do I get set free? And, and Paul talks about it in Romans 6. Uh, just a couple chapters before this, he talks about repentance and baptism and what that means in our lives. But number two, we're going to keep reading here. Uh, number, verse five, those who live according to the flesh, we're back in Romans 8, have their mindset set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset set on what the Spirit desires. Then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry Abba, Father. Abba is uh is like the in, in the in the uh, in this time it's like the equivalent of daddy, you know, it's the first thing that the little kids say, you know, the, Abba ba 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 ba, right? That that so it makes us a little, little kid. The Spirit himself testifies with our tr- spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And indeed, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And uh, I want to skip down. There's, I can't read all of this, but it's all really good. It talks about creation and kind of the big picture of things. But look down at verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So, number two grace that leads us by the Spirit. And there's two things that Paul talks about with the Spirit here. First, he talks about, you know, listening to the voice of the Spirit or listening to the voice of the flesh. Kind of the contrast Spirit versus flesh. And then he talks about uh, the, the connection the Spirit gives us to God. And that, that, that's kind of, in, in this text, you know, it's really rich. In mean, Romans 8, we could do an eight-week series on just this one chapter. And we could talk about the Spirit a lot. There's a lot that could be said about the Spirit. But Paul is saying that when you are in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in us. We get the gift of the Holy Spirit. And He, the Spirit is not an it, the Spirit is He. It's the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of God. He dwells in us and He helps us in our weaknesses. And He guides us. And He he directs us. And uh, I just want to throw a question. I want to make this interactive here for, for a couple minutes. What do you, in your life, what do you feel like it means to be led by the Spirit? What are some things that it means? Maybe framing it with this this passage what you know jumps out here, but what do you feel like it means in your life to be led by the spirit? I should yeah, Clay. It's a voice that you hear, and if it's uh my my test is that if the voice that says tell me to do something that's biblical. Uh-huh. tell me to do something that's not difficult. Well, probably another voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Um, it's a voice kind of in, my head, in my heart. I feel like he speaks in your yeah. to your head and your heart. Okay. Yeah, uh yeah. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, the gentle quiet voice is a reference to the story uh, in the old testament, yeah, that uh, that uh, um, what's his name? Sa so, uh, Elisha or uh, heard, right? And uh, and so he, uh, if you didn't hear him, Dave said letting go and uh, not kind of relinquishing control. Uh, Elaine? Well, just understanding completely that the standard never changes with mm-hmm. how we feel or how we're acting. Yeah, the standard never changes with how we feel or how we're acting. So God's word is the standard, right? And and Paul does talk about the the misdeeds of the body and then the work of the spirit. So something about that, like, if you're, if you're doing all these mysteries of the body, you're going to have trouble listening to the voice of the Spirit. You, know, that, you can't do both, right? He's saying it's either or. So, again, we don't put to, to death the mysteries of the body so that God will love us now. We put to death the mysteries of the body so that God can use us now, so God can, we can hear his voice, so he can guide us, so he can use, you know, work in our lives. Amen? Kelly? I think that's why he tells us to be still so often. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's in the Bible a lot this idea of be still. Be still. And so many times Jesus said, "Do not be afraid." Uh Tom, you had your hand up over there? Uh, just say the good are... Yeah. Who, who what what thoughts are you listening to? You can really get on a negative thought train, can't you? Or is that just me? <laughs> you know, it's like this and then this and this, and then that and then that and then that, you know, in or you know, either mad at somebody or down on yourself or whatever, you know, you can really it can take you for a journey. Yeah, Ren. I was going to say that, you know, when, when I sin, I can almost feel the fidelity of the Spirit going down. Mm. It's like, like a speaker that the volume goes down. Oh, that's... So I think there's, there's a correlation with me and I can feel it differently when I'm reading my Bible or when I'm looking for it. Absolutely. The fidelity goes up and it's clear. Yeah. And I start to look for it more. Absolutely. I can totally relate to that. Yeah, last one, Kike. Amen. Great, great, great uh, discussion. So yeah, and the Spirit, there's other places in the Bible where the Spirit is described as a counselor. He is a counselor for us. In other places, He is an advocate, or um, it's a legal term. Like, He's our lawyer. Like, He's, he's there to argue our case. He's, and here He uses the term intercedes for us. He's, he's arguing our case. I mean, if I, if I was on trial for something, I would not want to represent myself. You know what I mean? I, I just, I don't know all the lingo. You know, if I had this awesome, shiny lawyer to say, you know what, I'm going to take your case pro bono, I would be like, woohoo! You know, that's what the Spirit, that's who the Spirit is in our lives. He represents for us. He advocates for, advocates for us, advocates for us. Um, there, there, uh, when, when I was a kid, we used to play um, dodgeball in gym class uh, when I was in elementary school. And I don't know if you could get away with this now because it would probably be, gender insensitive or something, but they would put all the boys on one side and all the girls on the other side, and uh, it would be boys versus girls, dodgeball, and it's this thing, you know, in the gym where if you get hit, you're out, and if you catch it, they're out, right, and um, so, so, but then the gym teacher, he always played with the girls, so, and he threw really, really hard, uh, <laughs> and you could not catch a ball that he threw, and he could catch every ball you threw, and so usually the girls won, you know, and, and he probably enjoyed it, you know. Um, this, this guy, it's funny, my memory of him, he, he had the, the uh, bell bottoms that were, uh, what was that, lycra or like the, not, like, what was that called? Polyester. Polyester, Polyester. and he had the, the, the shirt that kind of came down like this with a little necklace and, and the hair and the little mustache. He looked exactly like uh, Uncle Rico. Um, from, not, from a, uh, what's it called? Napoleon Dynamite. If you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, that was my gym teacher. It looked exactly like that. Um, but, 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 you know, the, 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 the girls, the girls' team, they were very happy to have this advocate, this champion playing on their side. And that's what I think about when I think about the spirit. He is so much more powerful than we are. He knows the mind of God, it says right here. Uh, he knows the you know the big picture. why do we shut his voice down and follow these desires of the flesh when he 's right there to help us and to guide us and to give us victory amen we 've got to listen to the spirit and his voice uh, and sometimes the best thing we can do in our walk with God is to just shut up and listen as, as Kelly said, and he says here sometimes we don't even know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit intercedes with wordless groans and and, and the context there is he's talking about in our weakness, and I can so relate to that. When I'm at my weakest point, when I've gone through major crises, and we've had some major crises in our life in, the, in, the, in recent years, just times where I just get with God and I'm like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what to say. I'm just here. But there's something about that time, just investing that time and just sitting and being still, I come away with so, like, helped, so ministered to, and, and it's so productive So if you're going through a crisis, I encourage you to go somewhere. Go to your prayer spot, whether it's close yourself in a closet, as Jesus described, or maybe go off to the cliffs, that's what I like to do, or uh, go out here in this botanic gardens and and just be still and and let the Spirit guide you. Amen? Last thing, grace that helps us grow. Uh, He says in verse 28, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. There's a lot here, there's a lot of theology here, and uh, we don't have time to get into it at all. Um, but there's a lot about, there, there's a big debates about free will, about predestination, that, you know, are, are kind of hard to understand, and I'm not going to be able to explain it right now, but uh, suffice it to say that the Bible is clear that we have free will, but the Bible is also clear that God works outside of space and time, and, and, and He does predestine things. He does plan things. But God doesn't. It's, it's inconsistent with Scripture to say that God predestines certain people to go to heaven and certain people to go to hell. That's a really prominent teaching in Protestant. Uh, if you, you know, that's at the foundation of, of Protestantism, is this idea that God has chosen, like, okay, all of you guys are going to hell, and you guys are going to heaven, and it's all predetermined. and that That's inconsistent with other passages that say, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone, everyone to have a chance at eternal life. So so we'll just move on from that, and if, if you want to debate that, we can, you, you and I can get together, and we'll look at the scriptures and there are scriptures like this, because, I mean, if you just read this, look at it again. Verse 29, those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn. Those he predestined, verse 30, he also called, those he called, he also just. It sounds like there's certain people, doesn't it? But the thing is, God, God chooses those who choose him. God has predestined, everybody has a chance, and very few will follow, <laughs> unfortunately. You know, the, the stories Jesus told are, everybody's invited to this banquet. Invite everyone you can possibly find, not just the people that have it together. The blind, the lame, the crippled, the guy on the corner with a, with a sign, you know, will work for food. Invite that guy, right? That's what Jesus said. Invite everybody is invited to the banquet, but how many people come? Only a few. And a lot of the people that you think would make it go, well, i got better things to do. And they don't show up. That's the story of the kingdom of God. So, but those that do show up, those that God does call and he justifies. And we talked about that with the first point. Justified is a, is a legal term or, or an accounting term. It means you are even Stephen, you are paid in full. Uh, Gordon Ferguson says it's just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. You've been set free from that law of sin and death. But it doesn't end there. End of verse 30. Those he justified, he also glorified. And God is working in our lives to, to, to glorify us. Have you ever thought about that? Now, the, the first verse we read is really a, a well-known verse, verse 28. We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him. But, but it's often misrepresented or misunderstood. People understand this to mean that God is in control of all things that happen and even things that are bad. God did that in your life. And I, I, I have a problem with that because... God gives us free will, so therefore, if I have free will, I have the ability to choose to sin against you and so it 's telling someone who was raped or you know sexually molested oh, that was God 's will in your life. I have a real problem with that. this is someone else using their free will for evil. However, if you are a follower of Jesus and you choose God, God can take even someone else 's sin and, and and use it for good in some way now the the, the good i mean the barely good that he might be able to do is, you know, if you were a victim of rape, is being able to help someone else who was a victim of rape or being able to to sympathize with someone. I, I You know, and, and this, these, these are dif- difficult topics, but, you know, uh, statistically in this room, you know, at least half of you have experienced something like that, uh, being sexually molested or being uh, physically, you know, uh, abused, or, or just stuff that someone did to you, and it's not okay for someone to say, oh yeah, that was God's plan, that was God's will. Now God can use it for good, and that, that's all I have time to say about that, but, but it's for the purpose of bringing greater glory. God helps us to grow, grace helps us to get better and better and better, more and more glory. Uh, and, and I don't think we think about that enough, God's plan is for victory in my life. I think some of us live a Christian life that's a little like this. I saw this, David Crowder, uh, who's a musician, posted this on his Instagram yesterday, and uh, I thought this was funny. This reminds me of life. Uh, Jameson says, it really do be like that sometimes. (laughs) I don't know if that's a meme or what, but it really do be like this sometimes. So let's watch this real quick. Fidel, can you play that one more time? I just want to see the beginning again. Play it one more time. Go back. (laughs) Oh man. It really do be like that sometimes. You know, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, And, and the 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 context of this video is the, the woman had gotten so tired of this guy eating the bird seed that she greased the pole. And uh, <laughs> so it feels like that, right? Uh, you know, I used to have this, and now I don't. Uh, God, why did you grease this pole? Um, but that's because we're trying to attain things by our own effort, right? We're trying to, to, to control things, as some of you said, as Dave said. We're trying to control things. And God will, if that's your objective in this life, God will expose that. It's not, I mean, we can't control, I can't control if I get up tomorrow morning. You know, I can't control what pathway my kids choose. I can't control, you know, there's a lot I can't control. Uh, but, but, but God, even in all of that, he wants to make me more glorious, what does more glorious mean? Uh, well, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to remember here that I said. God's plan is for you to keep gaining weight. God's plan is for you to keep gaining weight. Uh, show this next slide here. Uh, so the, now, now I'll explain what that means. So the word glory... In the Hebrew context, is kavod? It's it's a it's a Hebrew word that means weight. It means kind of like gravity. You have influence. You have power. You affect what's around you. You have weight. Does that make sense? You think about someone who has weight. They have a sphere of influence. They you know when they come in a room, things everybody notices. They have an impact. You think of people, maybe celebrities, are at your work. You know that's people surround them you know, assistants and people, and there's kind of an orbit around them. So greater glory means greater weight. Uh, this is a, a diagram that shows you the comparative size of some, some different stars. You see our sun right down there. <laughs> and these are larger stars that have much more glory. They have much more weight. They, they have much more impact, more gravity attached to them. So if, if Jesus, if, if God's work in our life is to bring us more glory, that means our lives have more impact. They have more, uh, there's more richness, there's more fullness. We're growing. Life, the Christian life should get better and better and better. Not, not a slide down into, oh, I barely made it. You know? that, now, amen, if, that's, if you barely make it, amen that you just barely made it. But that's not how it's meant to be. It's meant to be an ever-increasing glory. If you want to jot down 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, it describes the, the ministry of, of, the, of reconciliation is one where we go from this glory to this glory to this glory. It becomes better and better and better. And, and, and not because of us, but because of God and because of his grace. We keep gaining weight. And in order to keep gaining weight, you might need to lose a few pounds you know, physically. I don't know. Uh, but, but God wants us to be even, bring him even more and more glory and be even more and more glory. And, and Jesus said this, right? He said, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, fruit that will last. It's not about us. It's about God and what he produces in us. And we don't have time to talk about it a lot, but next slide here, uh, this idea of fruit. Paul, again, t- sets up the spirit versus the flesh in Galatians 5, a passage a lot of us are familiar with. And he talks about the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he goes through these acts. But he says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things are fruit. So that, becoming more glorious means having more of those things. Right? That's what the Spirit produces in us is that kind of character. That, that is fruit that is internal. It's not uh, just about performance like we talked about. It's all together. It's kind of, it comes as a package. It's, it's not like you have somebody who's, oh, they're super loving and joyful, but they have no peace and they have no patience. No, that, that doesn't exist, right? It's all, in, it's kind of a one big bundle of fruit, what the Spirit produces in us. And it's gradual. It's botanic, right? Fruit, you can't sit there and watch a fruit grow. I mean, you can try, but you're not going to be able to, you're going to waste a lot of time. So, so, so the kind of glory as God is bringing greater glory in our lives, it's kind of over time. You go, wow! Look at what God has done. You look back and go, look at what God has I can't. I don't even struggle with that anymore. Yeah. And that's what the Christian life is meant to be. Amen. Yeah. Um, and and Paul here in, in Romans is writing to the to, to people who had this commonality with, uh, reminding them of these things, reminding them of how amazing it is to belong to Jesus. He's saying. This is who we serve as a God of grace, and this is the effect that God's grace has in our lives. And we are also a part of a, of a, a fellowship of churches and, and other disciples around the world. And uh, so uh, Allie is going to come up right now and share. If you don't, you know Bob and Tracy, right? They shared communion uh, a few weeks ago. They moved here from Hawaii recently, and Allie is their lovely daughter, and she uh, became a disciple in... Uh, she, she became a disciple in Hawaii, and she's been living in China for the last several years. And with things happening in China right now, I thought it'd be great to hear from her about the challenges that the disciples might be facing there. Just give us a little more context of what to pray for. So she's going to share a little bit, and then uh, I'll, I'll come up back up and pray for communion after she shares. So let's give her our attention.
0: Yes, my name is Ali. I am uh, currently part of the church in China. Uh, I live in uh, the biggest city in China in terms of population, so if you know what city that is. Um, The family of brothers and sisters in China, in my heart, definitely fit the description of the pearl of great price that Jesus describes. Um, So I'm really happy to share with you guys everything um, that... I can about the disciples there um, recently, um, I just want to share a little bit about uh, what the past year has looked like for the church and different things that I think are, are a big testament to the, the character of the disciples and and the power of God through these times. Um, recently, our church has um, gone through a lot of transition since last April. Um, when local authorities started paying more attention to campus ministry activities. uh, We were informed that there was a new person in charge of looking out for religious affairs in the area, and he came ready to enforce the law. Um it's legal for Christians and foreigners to separately attend a government registered church service but technically not legal to have an unregistered service and then with locals and foreigners mixed it draws a lot of scrutiny so the biggest concern of authorities um in our area is that uh is uh, uh young college students being influenced by foreigners during their education uh whether whereas for local services held in outside of the campus area it's not usually a big deal um, for our family of churches, we meet in small house churches, or we call them HCs, <clears throat> HCs as we call them, um, in groups of about 10 or 15, so it remains really small and intimate, and for me, I've, I, that's really different from my experience in uh, growing up in the Oahu Church of Christ, because it's so big, comparatively, but... Um, Yeah, it's really cool and really intimate. Um, So last April, there there was one service inside a brother's apartment that got reported to local officials. And during the service, uh, a police officer knocked on the door of the apartment and entered under the ruse of giving a mandatory fire safety inspection. Um, But after the service, when the disciples were eating lunch together, several officers came back and rounded everyone up, which was about 14 disciples, and escorted them to the local police station for interrogation. Um, But even during that time, as the situation was unfolding and our lead evangelist was updating other HCs and the leaders about the situation, he encouraged everyone not to worry uh, too much and reassured us that they were in good spirits and ready to face whatever would come with confidence. And he encouraged other HC leaders not to shrink back and to keep sharing good news with other people, uh, uh, with with the disciples about others who have been saved, and um, just to keep striving to bring more home. And uh, so fast forwarding to June last year, that was April, and then now June, um, more apartment raids kept happening, and it was decided that all of the foreigners would best be moved out of the campus area. Um, so this led to a lot of changes. Um, and one good thing, uh, and many good things came uh, from that, like looking at it kind of from a, a wider scope, just seeing the ways that God worked and the timing of that, um, uh, one of the good things that came out of that is that we sent an, a new team to a new city. Um, it was sooner than planned, but uh, it, it, time has shown that the disciples are really ready for that, and it's, they've been doing really well this past year. And transition and change has continued to happen since that time, but they're facing it with a lot of confidence and faith. Um, and so fast-forwarding to now uh, we found that investigations about religious activity from last year in the campus area seem to have continued since we left uh, because just recently even though we've spread out um, four of our foreign leaders have had their visas canceled unexpectedly which means that they can't enter back into China for for another five years Um, and that I think that has uh, been that's challenging because uh, we really do rely on the leadership there and um, the example of the leaders and what they have to share with disciples there. Um, But even despite that, I admire that they have um, stayed connected in every way possible, and they're still preaching and sharing and keeping us connected, which is amazing. Um, And so because of all of this transition for me, last summer I moved from the campus area into the city ministry, uh, where services don't really get cracked down on so much because authorities are mainly concerned about the campus students. Um, but in the city, most of us are young professionals. And because outwardly I can pass as looking Chinese, I slip under the radar and I don't draw attention, which is great. Um, and it's great because I love it so much. Um, and so you might be curious, just, I mean, as, um, as Brian shared, maybe you'd like to know about the daily life of a disciple in China. So every Sunday we meet in our HCs and our services always take place in Chinese. And um, the brother, all the brothers take uh, take a part of the service to lead including singing, sermon uh, communion sharing, contribution etc. and we sing many of the same songs as the, the songs of the kingdom book both in English and Chinese so I think that's, re- that's one of my favorite parts um, and one of my friends who's a local brother uh, every time I see him he says Ali, humble yourself in the side of the Lord and that's like his favorite song like, like I, I, I love seeing them connect with the same songs that I grew up with um, because, uh, and because we meet in the, the living room of a, either a brother or a sister's household apartment, uh, we usually keep worship really simple. Um, we just sing and snap, and we try not to be too much of a, a disruption to neighbors. Um, we sing from the heart, but we try not to sing too loudly. Um, And then you might also want to know, how do disciples do outreach? Um, In our outreach, we really focus on building friendship and trust first. Uh, We don't really invite uh, friends to Sunday service unless they've been studying the Bible for a while and are pretty serious about the idea of becoming a disciple. Uh, when I was serving in campus, I made a, a lot of friends just by starting a conversation with someone sitting across from me in the cafeteria, and um, some really good friendships came out of that, and we, we still keep in touch. Um, but in city ministry, where I am now, most of us um, focus on being light in the lives of people that are already in our network, like uh, old, old friends or classmates, family members, um, and it looks a lot like like how we do ministry here, um, and let's see, uh, we have a similar like, uh, set of studies that we, we go through with friends just to help them learn really core things about the Bible, and we talk about light and darkness, we talk about the Spirit, we talk about the church, we talk about who Jesus is and what the resurrection means and, and, and things like that. Um, the way that we do life together is also really cool. Um, Brothers and sisters love to meet up together for quiet times at KFC or McDonald's, which are both, by the way, actually very nice in China. You go there and it's much nicer than McDonald's here. Um, And so a a lot of brothers and sisters will plan those things on the weekends, and so they love to spend time together like that. Dating life is also very healthy and thriving overall. Uh, a lot of disciples take initiative to plan dates together. And it's very normal for young singles to have at least one date each weekend, um, either that they organize or they get invited to. And so the relationships overall are also very close because uh, everybody just loves spending time together. Um, several young couples, both local and mixed, foreign and local, have gotten married in the past few years. So it, it kind of seems like there's a wedding coming up every every other month or so. Um, and... Uh, So that's been really cool. I think it seems uh, that that's kind of a good excuse for us to keep meeting together again um, since we, uh, yeah. Um, And during the weddings, it's really, for me, I think it's really impacting to see the extended family of the bride and groom uh, there with us because usually the couples that get married also want to sing a couple of songs from the kingdom book. (laughs) And just to And it's kind of like for a minute, it's like kind of like a church service. Um, But to see like the families also witnessing that and like seeing the the kingdom in that form is really cool for me. Um, We support each other in reaching out to our friends. Um, We like make we help each other make plans for how we can uh, work together to um, encourage our friends in their daily life and invite them out to spend time with us. Um, On Sundays after service, we always cook and eat lunch together um, uh, in the the apartment, and uh, on Sunday evenings, a lot of us get together from different HCs and play, like, a big game of Frisbee, and that's kind of, like, the rage over there right now. Um, I I love Frisbee. I didn't like it before I got to China, but we kind of, like, learned it for ministry, and I, I really enjoy it now. Um, Mondays, we usually get together with our, our households for family night, and so we just spend time, like, um, reconnecting, and, like, uh, maybe, maybe one roommate will take on the planning, like, a different roommate each week, and maybe we'll do, like, a prayer walk, or, like, we'll cook dinner together, or go out, or go to KTV or something, and it's usually really fun. Um, Tuesday nights, I would usually have Bible studies with the friend that we were studying with, um this past semester. And Wednesdays, of course, we have midweek. Uh, Fridays, we do, like, either a Devo or sometimes, like, just an organized, fun time that we we can invite new friends to, Uh, even friends who who we haven't really shared our faith with. Um, And then Saturday is usually the day when people will plan dates or, like, QT, quiet time together. Um, And so... uh, the virus. Uh, How are disciples currently affected by the virus? Um, I'm sure people want to know. Um, Everyone in the country has been strongly encouraged by the government to stay indoors in order to uh, prevent the spread of the virus as much as possible. And since it's been it has that longer incubation period and there's like uncertainty, like you can infect other people without really knowing that you have it. um, It just makes it harder to contain. So everyone who goes outside is required to wear the surgical mask, um, just for safety and uh, so my friends have shared pictures of like when they've ridden the subway which is usually really crowded and it's just like there's no one riding just because public areas it's just really different from normal public areas are just kind of clear right now Um, and then as for ministry life which is usually very active and vibrant disciples have been meeting on skype for video chat house church and midweek service which has gone really smoothly actually it's cool Um, And so you might want to know what you can pray for for the disciples. Um, While, yes, masks are needed and everyone has to exercise caution when they go out, uh, most disciples have mainly been trying to make the most of all the time indoors. Um, And while you might think an an extended vacation sounds really nice, spending day, day after day inside without much to do and without seeing the people that you care about can be challenging in different ways. Um, brothers and sisters in Hubei have specifically asked for prayers for God to strengthen the disciples' convictions during this time and for God to help the disciples have deeper self-examination during this time while we cannot be as outwardly focused. And brothers and sisters in Wuhan have specifically requested prayer for the authorities to learn as much about the virus as soon as possible so that the government can help confine its spread. Um, and then while these things are big concerns and very real, um, throughout the week, as I've asked my own friends, like, what can I pray for? And what, what they shared were <laughs> things more like, please pray for my job transition, which is affected by the virus situation. Or um, my friend who just went out on a, a different team that we sent to another city says, um, please prepare my heart to be used here while we are waiting for life to go back to normal and start ministry. Um, My other friend says, please pray for us to be faithful to keep having Bible studies with our friends during this time, even though we can't meet in person. Uh, One sister says, please pray for um, my physical and mental well-being because staying indoors without fellowship for so long has been bad for my depression. Another brother says, please pray for my relationship with God to be closer and for me to exercise self-control having so much time in the house. Uh, my, my friend staying with her family says, uh, please pray for my parents to allow me to return to the city so I can have fellowship with brothers and sisters and attend midweek this week. Another brother says, please pray for the spirit to give wisdom and help me build better relationships with my siblings and parents while we are all cooped up in the home together. A lot, all the brothers and sisters have really deep hearts for their family and really want to use this time to their advantage to share. Um, and one brother says, uh, the surgical mask is really uncomfortable to wear all day long, but his office and the public safety all require that you wear it any time that you're not in the house. So he has to wear it all day, every day. And he says, please pray for him because it's uncomfortable. Um, the disciples are totally faithful and really treasure the fellowship. And so um, this time has been testing in that sense. Um, but on the bright side, I also wanted to share that, like, uh, um, Looking out for each other's needs. Some people have stepped up and organized activities to help everyone to remember that they're not alone and that we're still a big family, even though we're scattered at the moment. So one thing that we did this week that also really encouraged my faith was um, an online prayer room. And so we did a 12 hour chain of continuous prayer for China this week. I think it was on. Wednesday, and that was really cool, and then we also did, like, a relay marathon where we set a goal for all the disciples to cumulatively run tw- 42 kilometers in a, tw- in a 12-hour time span. Uh, they could run indoors or outdoors wherever wherever they could, um, and then just contribute whatever distance they, they could, and just, like, you know, we added all of it up, and then we eventually surpa- surpassed our goal, but everybody got really excited about it because um, they— Lately, like, you can't when you can't go out, you can't really exercise a lot. And so, um, you know, some brothers and sisters were, like, running in circles around their living room, and others went up to the rooftop and ran laps around the rooftop and then recorded their distance. And then others who are in less crowded areas went to, like, the river and, like, prayer walked together around the river. So it was kind of an opportunity for people to get inspired and, and spend time together, even despite the circumstances, which was cool. And so, I mean, in light of that, that's the last thing I wanted to share, but um, being part of that and, and seeing everybody's faces on the group chat this week, and how they're inspired by that, that our race or our marathon made me think of that scripture um, and I forgot to write down what book it's in. I'm sorry. But the one about finishing the race together, where it says, do you not know that in, all, in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body, and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Thank you.
1: I appreciate that. Uh, it's great to hear a little bit more about um, what our brothers and sisters are going through in China, what life's like there, and as Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, you know, it was similar that he had never been there. He didn't, he didn't know the disciples there, but he knew there was a commonality, and he knew they shared so much in Christ. And uh, I, I want us to, to to think about that. Think about the disciples around the world that we share this commonality with as we close out and, and have communion together. I want to do something a little different and ask you to read along with me the, the rest of Romans 8. I know if you, you might have put your Bible away, but... Uh, Something powerful about uh, communal reading, about reading together. So if you would read with me uh, Romans eight thirty one through the end. Uh, and uh, we'll read it together and then we'll uh, take communion uh, together along with other, other disciples around the world. Ready? What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son... Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that just as Paul was able to say this along with the Romans, um, we can say this along with both Paul and the Romans and the uh, Chinese disciples and everyone around the world that is in Christ. And I pray that you would bless uh, this time of of reflection, of being still before you and uh, remembering Jesus' body and blood given for us. Uh, I pray this is a a time that uh, edifies us and builds us up and helps us to get back connected with you if we've fallen out of connection as a disciple. Uh, We love you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen.